Broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College, we are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. Bicycles are just cool. Most of us when we were kids had a bike and into adulthood still ride bikes for fun to commute around our communities and it is a vessel for adventure. I know when I was a young person my bicycle was my source of freedom and entertainment and it would take me all over my town until the chain would break or the tire would get a flat. Did you know that bicycles were first invented in 1817 in Germany? It was made of wood and had no pedals, brakes, or a chain. Our first guest this season is Cassie Hidalgo, bicycle mechanic and the owner of Gladys Bikes in Portland, Oregon. Hello, Cassie. Oh, hey. I'm also joined by a friend of the show and journalism student at West Albany High School, the curious, the talented, Tori Thorpe. Hi, Tori. Hello. Today, Tori will be asking Cassie about being a bicycle mechanic and her journey down this career path. Without any further ado, Take it away, Tori. Um, so Cassie, please tell us a little bit more about your training and your edu- educational background with bikes and mechanics. Yeah, um, my training is pretty uh, pretty common for the bike industry. Just a lot of like on the job training. Um, just kind of started tinkering with my own bike when I was uh, like a young adult and then uh, or like a teenager. Um, and then just got kind of more involved and a little bit better and wanting to get a little bit more technical um, and then started working at like a couple of shops part-time um, throughout other jobs like working full-time in other spaces um, and then when I decided that I wanted to do it uh, like as a career I kind of stopped doing other technical jobs that I was doing um, and got a little bit more serious about it and I did a probably the only like really uh like training specific thing that i did was the a couple of ubi at the united bicycle institute courses down in ashland um those were really fun and informative and like very helpful for teaching me how to be like a good teacher of bike mechanics um and i also learned a lot of cool things there too but that's probably the only thing the only like facility that i went to or signed up for where it was like you're going to be doing this training for bikes and mechanics and wrenching so right how many um different like bike places did you work for uh like four before gladys cool um (laughs) career-wise uh throughout your career what has been some of your proudest moments or highlights or accomplishments uh the most recent is uh owning gladys bikes i think owning a bike shop is a pretty different um like job on the daily than just being a mechanic and uh I think that I feel really honored and proud that um, Leah, the previous owner, kind of thought that I could be capable of doing something like that um, because it's a lot more than just wrenching, which I do do uh, a couple times a week still, but or a couple days a week still, but um, it's a lot more like community focused and a little bit more, I guess, like holistic, if you were to use that word as a bike shop. Um, and so that's been the most recent one where I just feel uh, 
really proud and um, just proud of myself and um, proud of the team that we've been able to keep a bike shop running throughout a pandemic. It's been pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And on that same note, um, the ownership of Gladys Bikes was transferred to you like right before the pandemic started, like right before everything started being locked down. Right. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. What was that like navigating the pandemic is like the first thing you had to do as the owner of the shop? I mean, I kind of don't like to put too much weight onto it because I think it would stress me out to think about it because it's, we're still in it. Right. But, um, but I think that I experienced a lot of the same hardships that all of us did. Um, just kind of changing our daily routine, routine, changing, um, how we, uh, kind of treated ourselves in like a nice way. And we're like health, like healthy with our bodies and minds. And, um, and then I mostly had to consider like what would be best for the employees that we have here. Um, and that was really the hardest thing. Like as far as running a bike shop, it, it was a little bit complicated with just the not wanting people to interact. We didn't really have the face mask thing figured out for a few months, right? Like took us a little bit to figure that out um, as like a society. And so that was really challenging to navigate. Um, but the, the technical bits felt came pretty naturally. Like people brought in their bikes, I fixed the bikes. And then people came and picked up their bikes and uh, kind of that part came a little bit naturally, but like the, the logistical part of it was pretty terrifying and challenging. And, um, but I think from what I, from other, you know, I don't speak to my experience, but from what my friends say, and I'm sure you too can attest to this is that we all kind of had to change a lot very quickly. So it wasn't fun. I don't recommend. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is a lot of things to navigate and, and kind of process. Um, but moving on to something a little bit happier. Um, it's really obvious that Gladys Bikes works really hard towards creating like an inclusive environment for all types of bike riders. Um, and the shape and build of a bike aren't usually things that are kind of like put in the context of gender or you know what's most comfortable for certain types of people. Um, how did you like start the path like as Gladys Bikes and then as just like in your personal career to start the path towards um, such like unique goals for an inclusive biking environment? Yeah, I mean, I think the like genesis of Gladys kind of actually came, I guess I would kind of rephrase that question a little bit. I think that like cycling was very male focused and was very gendered and it like was very body specific about like being a fit, tall, usually white male. And like you, if you weren't those things, this bike probably wasn't gonna fit you even if it was technically a small size or something. And then not really considering um, different body shapes, not really considering um, different you know, body proportions, just like torso to leg length. And um, so I think there was just like a really huge gap in the market and how there were bikes that existed that could fit people, but they just weren't marketed for everybody, even though they technically could be, or there could be like alterations, like inexpensive alterations that can make a bike fit a person. Um, and the industry was really focused on like the bike and Gladys just was really focused on the person. Um, and we just continue that model today. Like bikes are cool and we're nerds about them and we like them, but a lot of it is about 
making sure that the person has their needs met and um, that the bike fits the person and not that the person fits the bike. So I think there was like when Gladys started, which was almost 10 years ago now, there was just like women, uh, larger bodied people, like anybody that essentially, yeah, just people just felt like, oh, this isn't for me. And because marketing was telling them that it wasn't for them. So, um, and so, yeah, that, that intention just continues because we're constantly, we're constantly battling that narrative. Um, especially now it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to see as bikes are becoming more and more of a high commodity in the pandemic because there's such a raw material shortage. Um, the larger companies are they're stopping to focus on like inclusive marketing and um, design and caring about the small shops and caring about the person. They mostly are really excited about selling bikes to um, larger uh, like bicycle companies basically. Uh, their bottom line which you know is understandable but it's pretty pretty wild to see how fast that changed um, just people were focused on being a little bit more inclusive of their narrative and then now they don't really have to be because people are just going to scoop up bikes just to scoop up bikes so hmm. wow that is really interesting I didn't even think about that aspect of it um yeah so what are some of your future goals or things that you would like to accomplish? Um, do you plan to expand to any other mechanical endeavors or just keep going with bikes? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, just, I can kind of get micro with it. So just like shop wise, we want to um, open and expand a lot more to like mountain bike servicing, which is just different than just the normal like nuts and, nuts and bolts of the bikes that we ride around town. Mountain bikes just have a lot more gadgets to work with on them, um, different fluids and suspension systems and stuff. And we'd like to be, um, you know, a inclusive shop that works on people's mountain bikes because the mountain bike shops that are nearby are, they're, they're great, but they're just, um, the experience seems to not be what some of our customers who also mountain bike um, kind of are looking for in their bike shop and where they spend their money. And then uh, on like a bigger level, I mean, I think we, once we can kind of uh, get back into doing uh, more community focused stuff a little bit safer, we're really excited to continue that. Um, and as a Latinx person, I'm really, really stoked to see so many of my friends like starting to do racing and starting to do like, I don't know, it's just, it's really exciting. And so I think that um, it'll be a really fun time to kind of get um, more community focused fun events that are like really loud and happy and joyful so um and then we have some other things in the works too but like kind of like a five-year plan would just to be like somehow make some of the things that we offer here at Gladys a little bit more attainable for people that might not live in Portland um and uh, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like but you know even if that just means like consulting with people or talking you know kind of just spreading spreading the love um and our experience here. So. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, um, you know, as a as a queer person and a biracial person in like a such a mechanical field, such a male dominated field, um, what is it like navigating the professional aspects of owning a business? Is it? Do you feel like your identity affects the way that other people like interact with you or perceive you? Yeah, it. I think what I noticed um, 
kind of when I got into it. So I was a mechanic and a carpenter, like side by side for my early twenties. Um, when I got into it, it was kind of sad and a little bit hard to go home and like, like my partner would be like, how's your day? And, you know, I'd have these experiences of people either like patronizing me or thinking that I'm like not the mechanic or thinking that, you know, just like thinking that I just like don't have the knowledge or experience to help them or, um, you know, I can, I could say very specific instances, but we'll just say that like I had a crappy day and, um, I would try and explain to my partner, like why I thought that happened. And I would be like, maybe it was cause I was young. Maybe it's because I'm femme. Maybe it's because I'm Latinx. Like maybe it was because I'm very queer looking, very gay looking. And I just like, couldn't ever figure out like what, like why, which reason it was that that person, um, essentially was like demeaning or rude and then they looked around and there was like nobody else to help them but me so yeah uh um so when I was younger it happened a lot lot more um and I think a lot of that does come from just being young I think anytime you're in a field and you you know you seem young you're you're gonna get treated uh in not the kindest way because people are just gonna assume that you just don't have the experience, um, which may or may not be true, but still we can ask people's experience instead of assuming. And then now, even as just like an established mechanic and business owner, um, it's it's pretty wild to see how, um, anytime I even just like go into a bike shop, that's maybe somebody doesn't exactly know who I am. And, and that happens all the time because it, you know we're a small shop um it is pretty fascinating to see and feel like um how people treat me and I'm just like wow this is how this is why we are needed like this is why Gladys is here um so on like a technical level though like when I was getting trained to do things a lot of people just assumed that I wasn't going to pick up things quickly um a lot of people just thought that I wasn't able like up for the task and so I just had to kind of be, I guess I can use the term aggressive, even though I don't really like to use that term. I had to be like very aggressive and um, speak up for myself, which, you know, I know that that's a quality that I have. And I know so many of my lovely friends and talented friends and uh, who just like don't feel comfortable doing that. And they would do certain jobs like way better than me, but they just were never given you know, they were just spoken over, or overlooked for a certain position, um, or a certain task, even like something as small as like a wheel build, like, um, they would be able to accomplish it like, uh, faster and better. And they just weren't given that task for, um, being a woman or, um, being trans or, you know, what have you, people just assuming that they, that they don't have what it takes. They're wrong. We got what it takes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why intersectionality is like so important because, you know, like if you're just a woman, then you're discriminated against. But when you have like the other aspect of being queer and being biracial, it kind of like, like you said, you couldn't figure out what they were discriminating against you for. And that's just confusing. Yeah. It's just something you kind of have to, there's nothing I can change about myself. So um, it was something that I just tried to be like, okay, well, that sucked. And you know, I know my other, like the other apprentices that were around me 
we would chat and like they were kind of on my side but for the most part a lot of folks are just like looking you know kind of looking out for themselves at that stage in a career especially like a, a job an on-the-job training career um a lot of folks and, and it's understandable are like kind of just like looking out for themselves and yeah so it it it's sad how resilient we have to be, right? Like it, it's a bummer that we have to be so resilient um, and that we have to tolerate so much. It makes us really, really like strong and really brave, but it is unfortunate how resilient we have to be. Yeah. And kind of going off of that, um, what have been some of your bigger career challenges? Like what are some of the things that you face that you've felt like you had to overcome? Good question. Um, I mean, besides the pandemic, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think probably the biggest one was just being taken seriously. So, um, I, you know, I'm not very educated, like, I, meaning like I didn't, um, I don't have a very like big vocabulary. I, yeah, I don't ever like really like dress the part either. Like if we were supposed to like dress formally or something, I never really felt comfortable in certain attire, um, or nor could I like afford it. And so when I was going into certain jobs in, when I was younger um, and, you know, struggling, I would say, with uh, security and like financial stuff. I felt that just being taken seriously as like somebody who's like here for it and like I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to be here. Um, and also like, yes, I know like I'm woman and yes, I know like I am these things and but like I'm still here. So it took a lot. I had to be, you know, I would show up early work late do extra do extra things like learn a lot more uh, especially about bike stuff because I was kind of late to the game um, I have friends who you know own shops or um, like really impressive mechanics or designers of bike things and they've been working on bikes since they were like a kid like a child and um, I didn't really know that like biking as a rec recreational activity or for health and fitness or for fun or transportation was a thing until I was like 19. So um, I was a little late to the game. So I had to do a lot of uh, like research on my own and a lot of tinkering on my own um, out of out of pocket. And um, essentially I would just like come to work with knowledge that I didn't learn on the job, um, just kind of like at home practice and training. Um, and that Im impressed people. And that was really hard because I like sleep and I wasn't able to sleep very much. Um, or just being able to manage a couple of different tasks at the same time. And then eventually, you know, I was able to just have the right language and I knew the, the bike terminology and I knew kind of what people wanted to hear as far as like my bosses and stuff or, or my peers who were teaching me. Um, but yeah, at first it was just like really, really tough to be taken seriously. Um, and in the bike community, it's, uh, you know, it's probably one of the more welcoming ones as far as like, like hands-on mechanical, uh, jobs and technician stuff. So I feel really lucky and really glad that I like bikes because trying to get into some, another field probably would have been uh, a little bit harder. <laughs> Um, so what do you enjoy most about your, your job as a mechanic and the owner of a bike shop? What are the positives? Um, when I'm wrenching, so like I said, I used to wrench full time, um, and I don't do that anymore. Um, and so when I'm wrenching, I, what I really like is just, um, uh, you kind of never really know what you're going to get. And, um, I love just constantly learning and learning from my, uh, coworkers and employees and, um, 
I love the physical work. It's really fun. It's frustrating and it's dirty. And I really like that. And I like that um, I can have like a fulfilling end of the day. I'm a very like task oriented person, which I'm sure a lot of folks can relate to. Um, and I love that I can say like, oh, I finished these three things today and just check them off the list. And it's like very tangible, very real. Um, and that is very fulfilling for me. And I've tried other jobs that don't have that, those exact um, kind of like the checklist that you can do at the end of the day. And those just didn't work for me very well. Um, so I really like the, um, the fulfillment of being a mechanic. Um, and the, the trust that comes with it is really cool too. Like we have a lot of amazing customers here and community here that trust us essentially with their safety, which is really awesome. And, uh, that's fulfilling in itself. Um, and then as far as like owning a bike shop, um, I'm just ch constantly challenged every single day, like from trying to navigate state policy federal policy like in, in, you know payroll stuff like all these things that go into making something function in our society that actively tries to make it hard for us like it, it, I'm learning something like every every single day um it is technically less task fulfilling but um, a little bit more like long term but that's also great for me too because I think you know as we progress in our careers in general, you're gonna be slowly getting further and further away from being like a field technician or a mechanic or something, you know, there are a lot of folks that just do that and um, advance in that. But um, tech, usually you end up kind of starting to do more like managerial stuff or what have you, or more of like the design aspect of things. So um, that's what it seems. I don't know. So yeah, I don't know. Owning the bike shop is really, really fun. I'm, I don't think I could have done it in any other town in Portland personally just because it was it's such a it was so challenging like the and the logistics are so hard um and so I'm really grateful that um kind of Leah the original owner did all the hard work and I just kind of get to to cruise in and um kind of just like follow in her uh very awesome uh shoes following her footsteps that's a phrase yeah <laughs> yeah Still shoes. Um Fill shoes, follow in footsteps. Fill somebody's shoes. I think that's there we go. Okay. Lots of <laughs> references. <laughs> yeah. I try to avoid speaking in like analogies and metaphors because I just get them wrong. So you can make up your own. You're you're riding her bike. <laughs> yeah, I'm riding her bike. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of young women um might not be super aware of like the career options that are available for them in STEM fields. Um, so what do you think can be done to kind of spread the word to women about career options in those fields, um, and, and kind of getting started in something like that? I, I don't think that I'm highly qualified to answer this question, but I can totally just spitball and say, and say what I think. Um, I, I would really have loved, you know, just speaking from my own experience, I would really have loved in like middle school and high school, like those really informative years, um, where my brain was just like running around all the time. And um, I would have really loved to have some more like hands-on classes and less like sitting down time um, and have that correlate with, you know, real world jobs would be awesome. Um, but I, you know, I, like I said, I didn't really even know that like being a mechanic um, was a job that 
a person like would want. I was always kind of told that like doing anything in the STEM field or being a mechanic or, or doing anything with like, even like mathematics was like something that, you know, it's just like, no, no, you should just marry a rich white doctor. Like that's what you're aspire to be that, you know? Um, and so I would have loved to have had essentially like more mentorship opportunities. Um, and then even if you don't like it, like it's still just engaging. I think um, it stretches the mind. It, like I said, it's a, like working with your hands is frustrating and it's challenging and it like stretches you in so many ways. I mean, I don't know if you spent time with like any five-year-olds recently, but it's so fun to see like how when they get their hands on something, just like a different part of them comes out. And, um, and I think that we all have that as well. I think we just kind of suppress it a little bit. So um, yeah, I would have loved, you know, I could have avoided middle school in general and just done like, put me to work, you know, give me some, give me something to do. Um, but yeah, so I think just like more exposure in general. And my, my high school didn't have like any, I think the only hands-on course that we had was uh, like art. And then uh, we had home economics, which is like cooking. And that was it. So like, no, not like wood shop or um, not even like a, I don't even think we had like a STEM club or anything, so. Right. Yeah. And there's always that like encouragement to like, you know, when, as soon as you graduate high school, you go to college. Like that's what I've been told my entire high school career. And I'm about to graduate and I'm like, yeah, but like, I could also not go to college. Right. And they're like, no, you have to go to college. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will, I will say that if I would have done what my counselor said, I would have not been in student debt, which is cool. Like I went to college for a few years and just didn't, then it would just like wasn't for me but I um went to a school that was like further away and so I didn't get like the re yeah anyways it's not fun to be in debt not fun I don't yeah know. yeah, yeah. um and uh so I think that that totally that path can work really well for folks but yeah for me it it just didn't seem um necessary and I was good at it it was just that I just didn't really feel like I was spending my time very wisely um and uh wanted to just kind of keep working. So I did. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you have any advice for women who are looking to follow a similar career path to you specifically like mechanics and, and bike fixing and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, just continually tinker and uh, take things apart, put things back together uh, safely. The main thing is just like understand that like your opinion is valuable and that your time is worth something um and there are going to be people who um, try and make you feel like that's not true but um your experience no matter how short or long it is is valuable your opinion is valuable your time and your expertise are valuable um and i don't necessarily mean capitally like monetarily um though that is also awesome when that li lines up well uh when you get paid for what you do um but just you know just in the heart of hearts, just knowing that like your experience is valuable. Yeah, we're constantly told that it's not, so. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Mm -hmm. I think um, we have one more question for you. Uh, it's just like a fun personal one. What do you like to do for fun in your spare time? Oh, I like to do so many things. Um, I love to like do all the Pacific Northwest things that uh, our woods provide for us. So like hiking, uh, mountain biking, uh, mushroom hunting, just going for short walks, 
looking at flowers and trying to pretend like I know the names of them. Um, I have a really awesome partner who I really enjoy spending time with and just chatting with um, whenever we get time to do that. And then um, locally in town, I am, I pretend that like I know about food, but really I'm just have like fancy taste. And I just, uh, I really like all the Portland uh, cuisine that's here. And so I, I truly enjoy like going somewhere and uh, experiencing something new. Yeah, I really like talking uh, to my friends when I can. And uh, that usually involves playing some type of sport that isn't biking. Um, so any like silly ball sport that we all know from growing up like basketball or racket sports or something like that. Um, so I, I do enjoy doing those things and uh, watching Thorns games is really fun and playing with my dog. Oh, so life's good. Got a good life. Got a good life. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so much for doing this. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at MidValleySTEM.org. Until next time, keep progressing. <laughs>